Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Premier League show. It's a show that thinks Erling Carland is just having a little breather, being human for a bit, it's all good. On today's part we're assessing two clubs in crisis before going around the grounds as always, ahead of a weekend of fixtures that will offer up further clues as to what this season has in store. Will Spurs mount a genuine title challenge? Will United mount a genuine top 10 challenge? The answers will slowly reveal themselves. Joining me to discuss all this, I'm delighted to have with me Andy Smith. Hi Andy, you there? Yeah, good morning Steve. Good morning mate, how's things? Uh, Generally pretty good, football-wise awful, but yeah. uh, (laughs) That's that's why we've got you on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks for that mate. It's just some kind of vicarious pleasure we get from others' displeasure. It's it's not it doesn't it's it's not becoming others, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got plenty of displeasure to share around. Though you worry. lovely stuff uh, to explain to any listeners who hasn't heard Andy before. Um, Andy's an Evertonian, so we're going to start today by discussing the goings on at Goodison. Um, strap yourselves in because this could be a bumpy ride. First off, last, last Friday it was revealed that um, a proposed takeover has been kind of accepted, if you will, and it's about to happen, or it looks like it very much is going to happen, um, involving 777. Um, previous owner, Mashiri, has hardly kind of done well at Everton, hardly been a popular figure. But how do you feel about the the upcoming change in ownership? Well, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, there's a saying that believe none of what you read and half of what you see. Maybe not in that format, Steve. I think it's it's worded slightly differently. But um, <laughs> if you were to believe uh, what you read, it's not good. Um, I mean, they've still got to pass the Premier League's fit and proper persons test, yeah. whatever that is. Um, and which which like, it should be said that has been tightened considerably recently, hasn't it? Well, apparently so, um, but I think if you've, if you've got enough money and enough influence, you'll get through it. Um, but one of the one of the main guys of Seven Seven Partners uh, is a convicted drugs trafficker. Yeah. Um, that was in two thousand and three. So, in terms, of, I'm not too sure how it works abroad, but obviously in this country, it would be the equivalent of a spent conviction. So he should be free to to do as he wishes now. Um, the they have ownership or part ownership in the quite a few different clubs around the globe, yeah. Sevilla, Vasco da Gama, Genoa, um, Standard Liège, they've got another one in Germany as well, uh, and very few of their fans seem to be happy with how they're being run. Um, um, there's question marks over whether they actually do have the finances involved to launch a full takeover of Everton, even though that's what they are doing. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see, mate. Obviously on paper, it doesn't, fill you with much hope and optimism but at the end of the day these are these are businessmen who obviously they invest their money in things because they they have an idea that they believe it will work they're not invested in Everton Football Club to take it down to the championship they're not invested in Everton Mm. Football Club to not take advantage of a a new flagship stadium that's three quarters of the way built so we've just got to hope that perhaps maybe they've learnt from previous mistakes they've made before and they're going to get it right at Everton. Yeah, I said on the podcast last week that when the news broke, I uh, WhatsApped um, a mate of mine who's an Evertonian and I didn't know anything about 7-7 at this point. And I said, you know, new owner is exciting. 
And he replied with, they're renowned asset strippers. <laughs> and I was like, fucking hell, can you guys catch a break? What is going on here? Well, we've, we've got nothing to strip, mate. We've... <laughs> uh, like but you know we we've literally we 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 sold uh, or let go or were unable to retain a lot of our under 18 and under 23 players yeah. in the summer yeah. they're getting uh, uh, you know they're getting bad week in week out because the squad depth isn't there um we we are down to the smallest squad that we've had in a long long time um so yeah there's, there's <laughs> there isn't much that they're going to strip if they're going to do that mate so you know Fingers crossed that they've got a new plan for us. Yeah. I mean, looking at the squad itself, and, and particularly the the first team that we saw last weekend at Arsenal, I've seen Everton a couple of times this season, and, oh, boy, you, you just look so kind of under par. Um, last week, I really felt like you could do something. You, you'd, you'd improved against Sheffield United. I thought, OK, you're at home to Arsenal. You know, a rip-roaring Goodson crowd behind you. They're going to fly into Arsenal. And and I was tipping a draw and, and everything to kind of um, win the first half. After about two minutes, it was quite clear that something is seriously amiss with that team right now. Would, would you go along with that? Yeah. Um, there's no disgrace in losing 1-0 at home to yeah. Arsenal in terms of an overall result. But there is a disgrace in the way that we performed. Um, they Yes, you expect Arsenal to have more of the ball and you expect them to cause you some problems, but you have to have an idea of what you're going to go and do at the other end. You know, it was a perfect example yesterday was um, Red Star Belgrade or the other... I'm, I'm going to call them that. I'm going to. I'm not going to yeah, announce yeah, yeah. the new way that you meant to say it. Um, but they had a very... You know, they knew that they were going to suffer a lot against City, but they had a very clear way of how they were going to try and hurt you, and they did do three or four times. Um, we had, we didn't have that whatsoever. Our only hope was to win a second ball in the final 30 yards, and we don't win second balls. So it was, from that point of view, it's, um, yeah, it was a disgrace, to be honest. Yeah, um, there was... There was no shape and there was no... Well, for one thing, yeah, you, you couldn't string two passes together, which doesn't help if you're trying to kind of, you know, play yourself out of danger and just give your defence a bit of respite. But even in terms of the fact that, you know, simplistically put, if it's Sean Dyche and you've got a team set up to defend, you would back that back four, back six, whatever you like, to be well organised. It didn't look organised. You looked... Kind of you getting pulled out of shape way too easy. Um, and that was the well, I didn't see you against Aston Villa. I'm sure you'd tell me that you know Villa was a real low point, but that was the worst I've personally seen Everton for some time. Is there any hope though? Just trying to look on the kind of flip side of it, you've got Beto, Dan Jume is looking really promising in part as well. Um, Harrison, Jack Harrison, who I rate hugely, um, is still to feature. Is there some hope in, in those three players? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the, you think when you look at our best eleven on paper, it should be, you know, fitness wise, suspension wise, if we're fine, it's a, it's um, it's still a team that should comfortably finish outside the top three. But I um, I four or five months ago, I thought Sean Dyche was the the right man at the right time for Everton Football mm. Club. Yeah. Um, but 
when you appoint a manager like Sean Dyche, as you alluded to there, Steve, you expect a few things. You expect them to be organised. You expect them to be difficult to break down. You expect them to be really good at set pieces. You expect them to be, you know, directing the transition and be able to hurt you like that. We're doing none of those things. So when you appoint Sean Dyche and you're looking for those three or four features that you expect to get as a guarantee and you're not getting them from your manager, then what is what are you getting? And the truth is not a lot. Mm. So um, obviously I think he's we're in a position now where obviously we're going through due diligence with the takeover, which could take up to three months. So who's in charge now in making a decision when we yeah. get to the manager? Yeah. But if we lose against Brentford on Saturday, that'll be one point in six games. We got out, we got outplayed by Doncaster in the first half of the Carabao Cup, although we eventually got through. So I think he's on borrowed time already, and I just I don't have a clue who's out there who one would take the job, and two, <laughs> um, two who we could attract that that's going to do the job that we need to to take the club forward. Yeah, you look you look at three fixtures before the next international break. Brentford away, no offence mate, but I I just can't see you getting anything at Brentford. But then you've got two home games, Luton and Bournemouth. If you get, you know, just one point from those two, let's say, for example, um, irrespective of, of what's going on upstairs, and I do take your point, and it's a good point that, you know, who's in charge, who's going to make that definitive decision regarding Daesh, I think there's there's no going back then. I think he has to go during the international break. Um, so as you say, he is on borrowed time, and it's quite a short period that he's been there. Um, but it just doesn't seem to be working. Um, so looking at the yeah, bigger picture, sorry, mate, but what needs to change then? Because okay, perhaps a new manager would would change things around. Um, is that one of the things that you would be would Would you be okay with Daesh going at this point? I don't think we have a choice. Um, like I say, I've gone full circle on it. I, I genuinely thought he was the right man at the right time for Everton. Um, but we're getting we're getting none of the things that you would expect to be getting from Sean Daesh. You know, I mean, you've known me for quite a long time, Steve. I'm, I'm very optimistic about everything in life, especially when it comes to Everton, mm. um, which you know they make it more and more challenging for you to be. <laughs> but, um, but even I'm struggling at the moment to to find any kind of ray of hope. Like I say, we've absolutely decimated our youth system. Um, we we <laughs> we've got um, a chairman who is. 15 years past his sell-by date in Bill Kenwright. We've got Mashiri, who, you know, um, we know that obviously a lot of the money that was coming in was from Russia in terms of sponsorship and who's been off in the background. So that's all gone. So he doesn't have the finances to take us forward anymore. So he's cutting and running. Um, we're being run on an absolute shoestring budget. We don't know what these next investors have got. Um, we look completely devoid of any confidence in any organization on the pitch and i don't i don't know how we turn it around at this moment in time so um yeah it's i, I it's probably it's the most worried i've been as a an everton fan really that yeah that in, in yeah in ever really so yeah. it's uh yeah it's it's not a good time um you are by nature an optimist as you say so if we look at this Saturday and, and, a, and a very tough game, I think we can both agree that at, at Brentford, how are you expecting it to play out? 
Um, well, I do. Um, I do. I, I go on another pod there, um, Paddock Blues for Everton. Mm. Um, at the end of like the show, we kind of predict Everton's next game, and we do heart and head. So, um, right. <laughs> so um, for this one, Steve, I'll give you um, my head. I think we get beat three nil. Mm. Heart, you know, we nick a one nil. That and but that's it. Like you, the the zero expectation that we can have going to Brentford at this time. Like it's purely hope that we can get something from the game. And you know, this is Everton Football Club going to Brentford, and yes. you feel resigned to defeat. That's, yeah. That shouldn't be that shouldn't be a thing. No, I have to say that equal part of that is, that is damning on Everton, but also shows just how much progress Brentford have made under Thomas Frank, as to be said. Oh yeah, of course. I don't mean it to, to be no, no, I know. I know. To Brentford, they're a you know, they're they're everything you would want Everton to be in terms of how they're run as a football club. Mm. Um so and yeah, there's a few. Well, to be fair, there's more than a few teams. I'm envious about how they run, but I think you know, you look at your Brentfords and your Brightons, and I think they certainly lead the way in terms of how you, your football club should be structured and run. Well, it doesn't bode well for Everton, and it gets even worse when you consider that you've recently developed somewhat of a curse when it comes to playing in London. Um, you haven't won in the capital in 13 attempts. Um, Although I do recall a very good performance at Chelsea last year, um, but still, um, I'm you've already given your score prediction. I'll give mine, and I'll also go head and heart. So my head tells me three one Brentford. My heart says one one, and I say heart because my father in laws are blue, and yeah, I just want to see him happy. For once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, and. Um, Let's move on to another club in crisis, um, Manchester United. Kind of quite a surprising one, um, I would say. I was not expecting this degree of ineptitude, certainly kind of at this stage of the season. Uh, has it surprised you how poor they've been this season? Um, yes and no. Um, I think what, what, what we have found out is that Eric Ten Hag is just an arrogant, self-indulgent, Excuse making, uh, overrated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that because you before the nine o'clock watershed, so I don't want to swear, <laughs> but yeah, like I, uh, you know, obviously my feelings towards Man United will be different to you, and obviously the listeners, you know, they're not our biggest rivals. Um, so I, I'm kind of, I feel my feeling towards them is ambivalent, but. Um, that Eric Ten Hag, whenever he comes on my screen, I, I, something inside me wants to rip really? a, a body part off just so I've got <laughs> something to throw at the TV. Um, I've just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's never his fault. It's very rarely his team's fault. He's, he, it's always an excuse. It's the ref. It's how much the other team spent. It's a, a, a bad decision. And then if that doesn't work, then he hangs out players to dry, whether it be Ronaldo, Maguire, Sancho, whoever it may be, anything to deflect on the fact that he's doing a terrible job having spent an absolute fortune. Mm. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes, and much more, Go to 9320.com to sign up now, or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.